Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Hello, America. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number, 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, always glad to have you. And today, of course, is the post State of the Union review where we will take your phone calls as well so you can react to the State of the Union. Let me begin. So today is uh, what I sometimes call lazy radio. And I, I I balance out two concerns. Um, and by lazy radio, I mean it's just a lot of audio. Uh, and there's a lot of audio because I believe that you should be able to hear the people in their own words instead of me characterizing it. It's one reason we rarely will we play like a five or ten second audio clip because I feel like some of you could say, well, you're taking him out of context. And I want you to have the context. Um, we, we've pared down the president's clips but I want you to be able to hear him in his own words, Uh, one of which I find a very curious statement, this from Joe Biden about the attack on Paul Pelosi. He brings this up importantly. You need to understand Joe Biden continues to wish to claim that the Republicans are the real radicals. And because the Republicans are the real radicals, he wants to keep this in the public's mind. He wants to keep the public alienated from Republicans, and so he wants to tie the Paul Pelosi attacker to the January 6th incursion into the Capitol. The last few years, our democracy has been threatened and attacked, put at risk, put to the test in this very room on January the 6th. And then just a few months ago, an unhinged big lie assailing unleashed a political violence, the home of the then Speaker of the House of Representatives using the very same language the insurrectionists used as they stalked these halls and chanted on January 6th. Now, here's the problem. That didn't actually happen. Yes, he stormed the House. Yes, he appears to be a QAnon adherent, uh, or at least made claims uh, like the QAnon people, but he did not use the language of stolen election. He did not use the language of the people of January 6th. He used the language of the QAnon people, which is actually different. And I I know the media is never going to call Joe Biden out on these things. How can you call Republicans out on the things they say that are not true when you are unwilling to call out Joe Biden on this? It is patently not true. We now have the video. We could see it for ourselves. The man said a lot of crazy things, said a lot of things like the QAnon people but was not talking about the stolen election stuff from January 6th. There's another thing Joe Biden said as well, which I thought was a very interesting statement. And, and you know, I, I will say there were, there were two bipartisan moments in the State of the Union address. So two bipartisan moments, one was good, one was bad. The bad one was uh, when Joe Biden and everyone in the room, Democrat and Republican alike, agreed to leave Social Security and Medicare alone. That's terrible because it's going to go bankrupt and we're not going to have any of it unless they fix it. But there was bipartisan agreement. They'd rather it it go bankrupt than do anything to save it, which is terrible. Uh, The other, the good bipartisan moment was on the need for police reform. And yeah, I, I think there is some bipartisan need. I doubt they will find bipartisan resolution, however, because the Democrats will want to find a solution that uh, Republicans cannot go along with so as they can try to claim the Republicans are harming the black community. Democrats live in fear of black voters beginning to vote Republicans, so they will do what they can 
to stop there being any unanimous agreement on this. It's all going to be political. And along the way, Joe Biden said this. COVID left its scars like the spike in violent crime in 2020, the first year of the pandemic. We have an obligation to make sure all people are safe. Public safety depends on public trust, as all of us know. But too often that trust is violated. Join us tonight are the parents of Tyree Nichols. Welcome. Okay. Notice the pivot between violent crime and Tyree Nichols. The Tyree Nichols moment, it was a bipartisan moment. It was a good moment. The video was outrageous. Something has to happen. That was You cannot look at that and think that was uh, well-behaved police. But the violent crime stuff. COVID did not cause violent crime. The President of the United States told the Congress last night that COVID caused violent crime. Guns do not kill people, Mr. President, and viruses do not cause crime. People do. And the cause of the violent crime was in large part the policies put in place by people, particularly Democrats in cities across America. The Democratic spin these days is that actually the violent crime is in red states. The murders are in red states. You know, there's actually truth to that, and I'll get into that in a minute. Bear with me. Uh, there, there actually, there, there's a truth to that. Higher murder rate in red states than blue states. Just bear with me. There, there's more data there than what they want to talk to you about. But nonetheless, he wants us to believe that a virus caused violent crime. A virus did not cause violent crime. People caused violent crime. And one of the ways people called vi- caused violent crime was this sense of helplessness a lot of people got, this sense of isolation a lot of people got because a lot of Democratic politicians, including local Democrats in red states, decided to shut their cities and their states down tell people to stay home, did not give them mental health, did not care about their businesses, did not care about their education, did not care about them, and crime went up. The savage restlessness of man spilled out onto the streets. They took away jobs, they took away education, they took away opportunity, they took away hope. And in the despair and hopelessness, violent crime arose, and then... After the George Floyd riots, and there is not a coincidence here, this is all tied together, the George Floyd riots spilling out during the COVID lockdowns, all the small business owners having been lectured they needed to keep their masks on uh, during their protest in March. In in June, uh, with all those protests, maskless armed people burning down the streets of America, and it was their civil right. It trumped anything about covid The double standard was on full display, and it was the response of local governments around the country to decide to humor the Black Lives Matter crowd that spiked so much of the crime. People decided they could get away with all sorts of stuff. People didn't care anymore. And coupled with that, a lax law enforcement routine around the country in progressive states where George Soros funded, and yes, they are George Soros funded. It is a statement of fact. 
prosecutors decided to be very lax on leaving people in jail, it gave them an incentive to go out and commit more crime. This is just the truth. To say that COVID caused violent crime is dumb. It's wrong. And it takes away the moral culpability and accountability of the politicians and policymakers whose policies and activities and demands on society did in fact cause the crime wave. The virus did not do it. The people who responded to it caused the precipitating events. That's the truth. It's infuriating for him to say that. And then there was this, there, there, there was this. Have you noticed Big Oil just reported his profits, record profits? Last year they made $200 billion in the midst of a global energy crisis. I think it's outrageous. Why? They invested too little of that profit to increase domestic production. And when I talk to a couple of them, they say, we're afraid you're going to shut down all the oil wells and all the uh, oil refineries anyway, so why should we invest in them? I said, we're going to need oil for at least another decade. And that's going to exceed. <laughs> and beyond that, we're going to need it. Good for the production. Market. If they had, in fact, invested in the production to keep gas prices down, instead, they used the record profits to buy back their own stock. Rewarding the CEOs and shareholders. Corporations ought to do the right thing. That's why I propose we quadruple the tax on corporate stock buybacks and encourage long, long-term investments. Let's finish the job and close the loopholes that allow very wealthy to avoid paying their taxes. Instead of cutting the number of audits for wealthy taxpayers, I just signed a law to reduce the deficit by $114 billion by cracking down on wealthy tax cheats. When the President of the United States says he's going to shut your industry down, as he did to the oil and gas industry, an industry that poured its resources and investor dollars into extracting oil from the ground and now gets to reap those profits, and the President says we only need you for 10 years, and everyone starts laughing in Congress at him, so he's oh, no, 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 that. You can't blame these industries for collecting on their investment finally. They're trying to collect on it because Joe Biden says he wants to shut him down. But this is the thing he did. This is the thing I find so notable here is that Joe Biden, the president of the United States, says again that we only need oil for 10 more years. And he expanded a little bit beyond that. The text, the transcript actually said 10 more years, which is nonsense. You're not going to replace the fossil fuel needs of the world in 10 years. You're not going to uh, get rid of oil and gas for vehicles in the next 10 years. And even if you were somehow to get rid of it for vehicles in the next 10 years, how are you going to get rid of it for plastics and for rubbers and for tons of other things that you need fossil fuels for, the things you need oil for? Petroleum production in the world is not going to cease because there are so many products beyond the gas and cars and trains and planes that you actually need this stuff for. We're not going to transition to battery-powered Abrams tanks. We're just not going to do it. They weigh enough already. Add in all the lithium batteries they would need for an equivalent run cost, and you couldn't have a tank. It would be too big. It would be too heavy. 
We're not going to get rid of uh, kerosene or, or aviation jet fuel flying planes anytime soon, particularly fighter jets. You're not going to use a lithium battery to get an F-22 up to 60,000 feet to shut down another spy balloon. This embrace of nonsense made his whole speech nonsensical. And then this last bit from his speech. Democracies have become stronger, not weaker. Autocracy has grown weaker, not stronger. Name me a world leader who changed places with Xi Jinping. Name me one. Name me one. Um, Vladimir Putin. Um, Joe Biden. Um, whatever the Prime Minister of Great Britain is right now, they change all the time. Emmanuel Macron. Um, you're you're saying you're literally saying that. China that just flew a balloon over the United States and got away with it, that somehow those guys are weaker and you are stronger? Really? That's what you're saying? Uh, Xi Jinping just set up a new deal with uh, Russia to help it fund and supply its arms for the war in Ukraine, and you've done nothing to stop them? Iran is now building a factory in Russia uh, to build drones in Russia? And you're doing nothing to stop him. In fact, you want to uh, do another nuclear deal with Russia and Iran? Really, Mr. President? You think somehow you've weakened these people? What delusional world do you live in? And that was the problem with this speech. It was overwhelming delusions of grandeur, relitigating uh, the FDR social welfare state in the run-up to 2024. That's what Joe Biden's State of the Union address was last night. It was the pre-announcement announcement for his run for 2024 and Americans don't believe it. All of the polling shows Americans don't believe it. It was a stunning contrast to listen to all the people praising his speech on TV last night and then pointing out no American actually feels like he's done any good. You know, you don't have to brag about stuff when people feel good. They just intuitively, they give you the credit. And he last night had to brag about a lot of stuff and blame a lot of other people for a lot of things to avoid culpability for his own problems so that the buck could stop somewhere other than him. It didn't work. It was rhetorically a strong performance. He was awake and didn't mutter his way through the speech as bad as I expected. But substantively, wasn't good. If that's what he's got to run on in 2024, bring it on. If you own a small to medium-sized business that kept employees on payroll through COVID, you may have a big cash refund waiting for you. The Employee Retention Credit is a tax credit of up to $26,000 per employee, and now more businesses than ever qualify. The experts at RefundsPro.com specialize in cutting through the red tape of qualifying for this government program. Most of their refunds are over $100,000. Even businesses that have received PPP funds may be eligible, and there are absolutely no fees unless you receive a refund. There's no reason not to apply. If your business experienced shutdowns, limited capacity, supply chain challenges, or even reduced revenue due to COVID, you likely qualify. RefundsPro.com has already helped hundreds of businesses, so don't lose the refund you're owed by missing the deadline. Get started today with a free five-minute questionnaire at Refunds with an S, RefundsPro.com. That's Refunds with an S, Pro.com. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Uh, Side story here. We'll get back to the news and everything. Um, Some of you will get mad at me for the next thing I say after, not this, but when I get back to the State of the Union address. But I got to say this. So 
uh, for the last couple of years, I, I, after the blood clots in my lungs, if it took forever for me to be able to get clearance to really go back to the gym and work hard. And uh, a couple of years ago, I, I got a trainer at a CrossFit gym, and I actually enjoy the CrossFit exercise. They're, they don't bore me. Uh, there's so much thinking that goes into the maneuvering to avoid hurting yourself that it, it kind of it takes your mind off the monotony of of, of exercise. But if, over time, this trainer like convinced me I needed to be able to pick up a hundred pounds sandbag and throw it over my shoulder. And so away we went. We worked. I mean, started at ten pounds, got all the way up pretty quickly actually to a hundred pound sandbags. It's just how you lift it, uh, throw it over your head, and he assured me it was functional fitness. I had when are you going to lug a hundred pound sandbag over your head? I have no idea, but nonetheless, for the last couple of years, I've been going to the gym. I I now ha- really have to work on the diet part of it, but uh, the strength part of it, I've been working on. And last night I had to get a giant TV. We've been using a window as a backdrop. If you look on Instagram and the like to see it, um, but if it's too bright outside, everything is washed out. If it's too dark, it, it, it's just wonky. And a friend of mine suggested, why don't you get a big TV, put it behind you, put your camera in the window, and just run it so it's an HDMI feed. So it's a live feed of what's out the window behind you, but you can control the lighting on the camera easier. Like, that's actually a genius idea. So I got a giant TV. It's 85 inches. The box with the TV in it was 135 pounds. The TV was 102 pounds of that 135 pounds. It fit in my vehicle with not an inch to spare. I actually had to measure it out to make sure it would fit. Uh, It barely fit. And then I had to get it out of the parking garage, into the elevator lobby, up the elevator, into my office, and then put it together all by myself last night. And as I'm trying to figure out, how do I tilt this thing to put the legs on it without it falling over, and then how do I lift it up 30-some-odd inches onto the table? I was like, it's the sandbag. And I was able to grab that sucker the way I held the sandbag and hoist it up and get it on the table. I did not throw out my back. I'm not even sore. So kudos to Stephen, my trainer, for actually teaching me something. I, I'm just I'm bragging because I'm proud of myself, y'all. I was pretty confident I was going to throw my back out, blow it, I just knock the TV over, smash it into a million pieces. It was expensive, um, and yet I was able to do it, and it looks great. So if you see the Instagram clips, that's actually a live shot out the window, but it's the window on the other side of the office, and it's the video feed, and it actually looks really good. Uh, now, when we come back, we'll get back into the State of the Union and what the Republicans did, including Marjorie Taylor Greene's heckling. Y'all, I want to be real honest with you. Uh, I have looked, because you have asked me to look, for a reputable gold company that can give you advice and answer your questions that's not gimmicky. Like, for example, some of them do certificates, and some of them they try to rope you in with other stuff. You are interested in precious metals for your retirement savings uh, to ease the ebbs and flows of inflation and wild swings in the stock market. Advantage Gold. Advantage Gold. That's who you want to call. Uh, Advantage Gold. I have looked into them. I have had them answer my questions. And it is not one of these gimmicky places. There aren't tricks They really just want you to have a great experience learning how to be a gold investor. Give them a call, 800-450-2566, 800-450-2566. 
Tell them I sent you. You can get their free golden IRA investment kit, but call them if you got questions. They're good people. 800-450-2566. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. Uh, some of you are going to disagree with me on this one, and that's fine. You're, you are allowed to disagree with me. We can think uh, each other possibly wrong or some such on this, uh, but I want to get to the heckling. Let me get first to the part that I think is a little bit nonsensical on this. So this I don't necessarily agree with, but here, here's Jake Tapper. Things that Biden doesn't necessarily project well, historically, when it comes to these speeches, is vigor, mm-hmm. is strength. Uh, he might convey empathy very well. But honestly, and we've, we've been talking about this all night, the House Republicans heckling him, and it was a minority of them, but it was the same ones that gave Kevin McCarthy a run for his money a month ago, but, but they were loud uh, and proud, uh, and they really gave him an opportunity to seem reasonable, to push back, to have a, you know, an ad hoc debate, uh, and to even score some points. Now, okay, I, I was I have two clips here, and, and the Tapper one did make make a good point that it allowed Biden to push back and seem reasonable in some cases. Uh, but this is this is the the clip I heard this, and I was just rolling my eyes the whole time. Unheeded, the president was heckled quite often and quite rudely by many of the same House Republicans who made the Speaker's life so difficult a month ago when we were sitting. Yeah. Absolutely, and it was stunning to see. Uh, the House Speaker sitting behind the president on multiple occasions, visibly shushing members of his conference who were heckling the president. Uh, in one case, Marjorie Taylor Greene apparently just called him a liar. Yeah, okay. The Democrats heckled Donald Trump. And I don't have the clip, but kudos to, I think it was Abby Johnson on CNN pointed out, you know, this is a bipartisan thing. The Republicans aren't doing this uh, as an anomaly. It may have been more aggressive than the Democrats, but it certainly derived from what they did to Trump. And I was glad that someone pointed that out. Uh, someone needed to. Here's my problem with the amount of the the heckling and stuff from uh, Republicans at the State of the Union last night. And I got to say this from the frame of mind is as a Republican, it's kind of like with Joe Wilson when he yelled out, you lie to Barack Obama. You're like, oh, yes, I'm glad someone said it. As Marjorie Taylor Greene yelling uh, liar, it wasn't a very original thing. It's already been done by Joe Wilson. But take the partisanship out of it. We just went through an election cycle where voters signaled they want non-crazy Republicans and they would prefer the status quo to the non-crazy Republicans. One of the things Joe Biden tried to do in his State of the Union address last night was to point out that, you know, Republicans, uh, if you come across as less crazy, we can work together. Maybe we can do some things. Look at you crazy Republicans who want to get rid of Social Security and Medicare. Now, we can disagree with him on the point. But he's not actually speaking to them. He's speaking to the voters. And he's telling the voters, you still got these crazy Republicans up here that you didn't like in November and you voted against. Marjorie Taylor Greene plays into his hands when she does that. You and I may like that she called him out on his nonsense. You and I may. 
But a great many of Americans, including 13% of Republicans and a majority of independents, voted Democrat nationwide in 2022 because they don't like people like that. If the GOP wants to win in 2024, all it has to do is not be as crazy as the Democrats. When you have Marjorie Taylor Greene out there behaving like this, it allows the Democrats to paint with a very broad brush. The media will go along with them. And though you and I do not listen to the mainstream media on this, a lot of those voters listen to the media. And this just reinforces the behaviors. I think you have to be careful on this stuff. Again, if you are a partisan Republican, of course you love it when they call out the president on his BS. If you're a partisan Democrat, you loved Joe Biden pushing back last night. In fact, there was a lot of Joe Biden pushback on this. Joe Biden loves the fight. Joe Biden loves to get into the big bin. Uh, He loves to corn pop everybody. And so you're playing to a strength of his to allow him to push back. And he comes across as as some sort of man who's willing to get in the mud and, and throw a punch whether he can or not at his age, is beside the point. If you just let him speak and you didn't do this, most people know this stuff isn't true anyway, and people are going to forget the speech. That's part of the issue with the State of the Union Address is that everybody is going to forget this. My singular frustration with covering the State of the Union Address, whether it's Donald Trump or Barack Obama or George W. Bush or Joe Biden, I've had to cover them, uh, a lot of them for a long time professionally, is everyone makes a really big deal out of this speech. It is a constitutional obligation, though it should be delivered in writing. Nonetheless, it is a constitutional obligation. It is the pomp and circumstance of the presidency going to the chamber of the House of Representatives to give a joint uh, joint speech to Congress and a joint session of Congress, uh, and everybody forgets it after three days. No one next week is going to be saying, oh, remember that thing Joe Biden said in the State of the Union? It's one of the formulaic programmatic things that we are forced to do. And everyone expects you to do it. And so you do it. Everybody covers this as if it is the big thing. And it's not really the big thing anymore. The stuff that is brought up in a State of the Union speech rarely gets enacted. By the time the campaign rolls around, he's moved on to other themes. Everybody forgets it by weeks in. Donald Trump was an exception. He had a habit of saying things in his speeches that left people talking until he got to his Twitter account, and then suddenly he would tweet something that would make everybody move on from the State of the Union. Donald Trump uniquely and specifically could step on himself. Remember when Trump uh, brought the families in who were victims of the the ICE, the uh, Mexican gang, uh, not ICE, uh, MS-13. He was talking about ICE and border enforcement and the the MS-13 gang or whatever it is, and he had the families there who had been victims of crime. It was powerful. The Democrats were seething because they knew he got them. And that stayed in the American conversation for multiple days until Trump said something stupid about somebody on Twitter, and it gave the media finally an excuse to pivot from it. It's kind of unique um, that he had the staying power until he himself stepped on it. But none of these speeches really matter that much. None of these speeches carry on. And so I spend this hour talking about the speech, and then I, too, am going to move on from it after this hour because 
I mean, they're not very memorable anymore. They used to be, and now they're not. There were responses. Uh, Donald Trump gave a response. Let me play you some of Donald Trump's response. Here's the real State of the Union. Over the past two years under Biden, millions and millions of illegal aliens from 160 different countries have stormed across our southern border. Drug cartels are now raking in billions of dollars from smuggling poison to kill our people and to kill our children. Savage killers, rapists, and violent criminals are being released from jail to continue their crime wave. And under Biden, the murder rate has reached the highest in the history of our country. Biden and the radical Democrats have wasted trillions of dollars and caused the worst inflation in half a century. Real wages are down 21 months in a row. Gas prices have soared and are now going up much higher than even before. And the typical American family is paying $2,200 in increased energy and food costs each year. Joe Biden's weaponized Justice Department, and I'm a victim of it, is persecuting his political opponents. His administration is waging war on free speech. They're trying to indoctrinate and mutilate our children. He's leading us to the brink of World War III. And on top of all of that, he's the most corrupt president in American history, and it's not even close. I got to say, it's kind of notable. Donald Trump last night, by giving a response to Joe Biden's State of the Union address, treated Joe Biden as the legitimate president of the United States. Trump has maintained the entire time that 2020 was stolen from him, that Joe Biden is not a legitimate president. And for a couple of years now, there have been the ongoing conspiracy theories that uh, Donald Trump could somehow be reinstated as president of the United States. When Trump is in the position now of having to give a response to the president of the United States that treats the president as the president and blasts the president's policies, he's giving Joe Biden for the first time a legitimacy Donald Trump has tried to avoid giving him. I don't know whether it was a mistake or not. It's just interesting to me that for the entire time, Donald Trump has maintained that Joe Biden wasn't a legitimate president. And to respond to him in that way last night means he recognizes Joe Biden is a legitimate president. Then there was the actual Republican response. And I got to say, Trump stepping on Sarah Sanders trying to give his response. Uh, it was bad for him, particularly she was his press secretary. He's backed her for governor. This was Sarah Sanders. Notice, I'm not saying Huckabee because she's married. Her her last name is Sanders, and to say she's Sarah Huckabee Sanders is to define her by her family and not by what she herself has done. So Sarah Sanders, the governor of Arkansas. Most Americans simply want to live their lives in freedom and peace. But we are under attack in a left-wing culture war we didn't start and never wanted to fight. Every day we are told we must partake in their rituals, salute their flags, and worship their false idols. All while big government colludes with big tech to strip away the most American thing there is, your freedom of speech. That's not normal. It's crazy. And it's wrong. Make no mistake. Republicans will not surrender this fight. We will lead with courage and do what's right, not what's politically correct or convenient. Republicans believe in an America 
where strong families thrive in safe communities, where jobs are abundant and paychecks are rising, where the freedom our veterans shed their blood to defend is the birthright of every man, woman, and child. These are the principles Republican governors are fighting for, and in Washington, under the leadership of Senate Republicans and Speaker Kevin McCarthy, we will hold the Biden administration accountable. Let's be honest here. There have been no memorable responses to the State of the Union address ever, except for the ones where something went wrong. One exception to that. Uh, there was the Marco Rubio water drinking one, and there was the the somewhat awkward Bobby Jindal one, but most of them are completely unmemorable, um, except for the Christy Todd Whitman one. When she gave it, the Republicans had taken over the state legislature and the governor's mansion in New Jersey back in the 90s, and she gave a State of the Union response in the state legislative chamber. Uh, there was applause. It was like another State of the Union address come, did a competing vision. It was the first time something like that had been done, and, and it was memorable as a result, but uh, they're just really hard to pull off. Everybody's ready for it to be over. You're responding without knowing what the president said. If I were ever charged with giving the response to the State of the Union, I would do it as a fact check. I mean, save the speech. The president speaks, give me a couple of bullet points to highlight and go respond. He lied about this. He lied about this. He lied about this. We won't lie to you. I mean, her speech was fine. I appreciated Sarah Sanders making the point that we are in a left-wing in, uh, inaugurated culture war, left-wing instituted culture war. We we didn't want to fight on drag queen story hour. We did not want to fight on whether or not we should chemically or, or surgically castrate children. And that's where the left has moved, and that's what the left demands that everybody defend. And so she's pushed back on that. And it was nice of her to go after that in big tech to provide this competing vision, but nobody's going to remember tomorrow what she said. Um, the responses to this day of the union are kind of cursed and it kind of, she, she will be the governor of Arkansas and that's probably going to be it. Uh, given the track record of the people who give these speeches, maybe, I mean, we'll see, maybe there, there will be something in the future, but I feel bad for the person who gives the response to the state of the union every time they just don't come across the same way as the state of the union. And and it's kind of hard to, you got a joint session of Congress versus that. Nobody will remember. What I want you to remember is you get a three-pack Eden Pure Thunderstorm for less than $200 right now at EdenPureDeals.com. I got an email again from someone asking for the website. They went to EdenPure.com and they didn't get it because that's not the website, folks. It's EdenPureDeals.com. And when you go to EdenPureDeals.com on the front page of the site, you're greeted with a discount code box and you put in my name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K, and you can get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200. You save $200 and you get free shipping. It's fantastic. EdenPureDeals.com is the website. The discount code is Eric, E-R-I-C-K. It used to be Eric 3. I might have just said that. It used to be Eric 3. Now it's just Eric, just my name, E-R-I-C-K. That's going to be the code moving forward for everything. It simplifies it for you to just put in Eric, E-R-I-C-K, and right now you get three of them for less than $200. What are they? They're air purifiers, but more importantly, they wipe out odors. I've actually got one in my office running because I hung up a painting. The paint was still wet. It was... um, 
I got a got a, a painting from a friend of mine, uh, not my Pinley. I'm waiting on my Pinley, but the paint was still wet on it. And so it smells like paint. And so I fired up the Eden Pure Thunderstorm and it will wipe out those odors. It wipes smoke odors, litter box odors, pet odors, you name it, it'll wipe out the odor. Get them, EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is just my name, Eric. Do not forget, sign up. For the daily email, you can text the word data to 33777 and get that email. Uh, the show notes, the show prep for your day will be there. Uh, we're going to be doing more behind the firewall, the paywall. So uh, you want to go on and, and get your subscription and text data to 33777. By the way, Longoria, you, yes, I'm talking to you, Longoria. Congratulations. If you know, you know. <laughs> okay, uh, we got to move on to other stuff, um, including this from Chris Wallace that I thought was very interesting that he said on CNN, a topic that has not been aired, um, but... She's very important politically because there's been a lot of talk, as we've, as we've discussed earlier, about the fact that only three in ten Democrats and Democratic-leaning independents is, feels comfortable with Joe Biden running for president. One of the problems the Democrats are going to face is that his vice president is even more unpopular than he is, has even lower standing in public opinion polls. And you can just see Republicans, as Biden gets closer to the nomination and we assume is going to keep Kamala Harris on the ticket, that Republicans will start making the argument. You're talking about an 82-year-old man serving till he's 86. And if, if anything were to happen to him, God forbid, Kamala Harris becomes President Harris. That'll be an issue for the Republicans in the upcoming election. Yeah, it is going to be an issue in the upcoming election. By the way, one more uh, bit. You know, I don't have time. I'll, I'll, I'll get to this one later. But it, we saw uh, Kellyanne Conway make the point last night on TV about Kamala Harris. Democrats behind the scenes are whispering about it as well, that she is increasingly a liability to the Biden administration. Every time she speaks, she puts her foot in her mouth. Maybe she's got a foot fetish, but uh, sucking your own toes is a bad idea, particularly when you're on a, on a stage. And that seems to be what Kamala Harris does. Uh, the Democrats know there is a problem. When the New York Times is raising the red flag to the White House, you know there's a problem, but there's no way they can distance themselves from her. They just can't. When we come back, we got to move on. We'll move on from the State of the Union. I will take your phone calls, though, 877-973-7425. We also the, need to talk about what Ron DeSantis did to get under Donald Trump's skin. And boy, did it work. I think he's figured out how to take on Trump. <laughs> 